Section 41 of Essays on Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arden. Essays on Art by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Translated by Samuel Gray Ward. Section 41. 3. Details. When painting in the West, and especially in Italy, deserted its Eastern Byzantine mummy-like originals, its first great efforts were all directed to the human form, under which all holy and beatified subjects are represented. A chapel-like conception may be found in all these pictures. It was not unsuited to them, as they were always destined to adorn churches and chapels. 1. By degrees, art in its progress came to look around with freer eye into nature, but still only the significant and the dignified could be allowed to accompany the figures of persons. From this cause arose the choice of a high point of view, and the representation of rough crags, crowned with castles, rising with tower above tower, deep valleys, woods, and waterfalls. These accessories in the sequel were made by degrees to assume a more important position. The figures were contracted within narrower and narrower limits, until they became at last only what we call landscape figures. But it was necessary that these landscapes, like the sacred pictures from which they had their rise, should be interesting throughout, so they were not only filled up with whatever anyone's scene could supply, but a whole world of things was added beside so that the spectator should have something to look at, and the purchaser should get some value in return for his money. Down from the high rocks, where you saw chamois climbing, fell waterfalls below waterfalls, among ruins and thickets. These streams were afterwards made use of for forges and mills. Further down, they watered a rural plain, passing by large towns, presently bearing vessels of size, and at last losing themselves in the ocean. In the vacant spaces would be hunters and fishers, engaged in their pursuits, and a thousand other inhabitants of the earth in full activity. The air had its birds, stags and does grazed in the glades of the forests, and we should never make an end if we attempted to recount all that one was presented with at a single glance. To keep in view the original subject of the picture, down in one corner some holy hermit was to be seen. Jerome with the lion, or Mary Magdalene clothed in sackcloth, were hardly ever wanting. Titian, so far as he turned his attention to landscape, began with admirable artistic feeling to introduce less variety into his pictures, his works in this department have an altogether peculiar character. Wooden houses rising in strange fashion one above another, scenes laid among the mountains, manifold hills, rippling lakes, never without significant figures of man or beast. He lays his beautiful children carelessly down naked on the grass under the open sky. 3. Ruhel's pictures exhibit scenes of singular variety. Here, too, we have a high horizon, an extensive prospect, and streams running down to the sea. But the outline of his mountains, though rough enough, is less deep, and they are remarkable for a sparse vegetation. Rock is everywhere the upper hand. The situation of his castles and houses is varied and characteristic, and the earnest expression of the 16th century is discernible throughout. Paul, Paul Briel, an artist of great natural powers. The origin we have spoken of above is still to be traced in his works, but all is freer and more joyous in feeling, and the true character of landscape is marked. It is no longer a whole world, but significant and individual scenes, though still always embracing a wide extent. His twelve months, in six separate plates, are an admirable instance of his knowledge and judgment in regard to localities, and the effect produced upon earthly scenes by human culture and habitation, and of his power to represent the same. It is particularly interesting to notice how he has succeeded in representing them in Paris, so as to make a complete picture out of the transition from one into the next. We ought to mention also the hermitages of Martin Dubus engraved on copper by John and Raphael Sadler. Here stand the figures of pious men and women, in harmony with the wild scenes around them. 
both are represented with great earnestness and artistic capacity. 4. The seventeenth century freed itself more and more from the timid conscientiousness of the older masters. The figures of the Karachi demand more space to move in. A great, beautiful, and significant outward world is harmonized with the figures and sometimes outweighs the human forms by the interests of the scene. Domenichino's residence in Bologna made him delight in mountainous and solitary scenes. His delicate feeling, his masterly handling, the beauty of the figures that wander through his pictures can never be too highly prized. Of the free, distant, clear, and rural style of Claude Lorraine with its fairy architecture, we will only say that he first achieved a free artistic expression in this department. Everybody knows his works, every artist emulates him, and everyone feels in a greater or less degree that he must yield the palm to him. 5. Then arose the so-called heroic landscape, which seems to be inhabited by a race of men of few wants and great thoughts. Fields alternate with rocks and forests, broken hills and steep mountains, dwellings without convenience, but earnest and dignified, towers and castles, but no indication of present war. Everywhere, a world put to no profit, no trace of field or garden culture. Here and there, a flock of sheep, suggesting the idea of the most ancient and simplest mode of deriving profit from the earth. End of section 41. Recording by Arden.